this is the G-Truth, and boy did we have a great NFL weekend. We had the Ravens beating the undefeated Patriots, just completely demolishing them. We had the Dolphins getting their first win against the Jets, who look like they're in trouble a bit, and same with Sam Darnold, who just looked plain bad. Did you see that interception? Oh my goodness, that broke all fundamentals. The Browns also looked pretty bad. They're sitting at 2-6 and six now. And they lost to Denver Broncos. That's not shaping up pretty well. The Chargers look like they're back on track as well. But before I can get on to my topics for the day, which involve both football and basketball, I just gotta tell you that I've been listening to Blink-182, and I've been really loving it. And I first started listening to that band as a punk rock band. Back in 7th, 8th grade-ish, it was really, really fun to listen to. I listened to... I think two or three songs back then, but now I'm listening to a whole bunch more about by them. Uh, some of the ones I've listened to, all the all the small things. I miss you for state. What's my age again? Uh, damn it! Blame it on my youth. Not now. The rock show has been cycling through it, and it is good. And if you don't know by now, I am a sucker for electric guitar. It is amazing, and maybe maybe even bass. But. With that out of the way now, I don't listen to Blink-182. Go ahead and listen to it. It's really, really good. I got a whole bunch of stuff talking about today. I got two topics re uh, revolving around the Chargers and then my power rankings for the NFL after week nine. And I got talking, I'm going to be talking about the Phoenix Suns as well as Eric Paschal of the, uh, of the Golden State Warriors. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be really good. So. The Chargers, as I mentioned, look back on track. Last week, the Chargers fired their offensive coach, Ken Wisenhunt, who was this week replaced by Shane Steichen. Hopefully, I said his name correctly. And the Chargers looked so good against the Packers. They looked much, much better than they have in the past couple weeks. They scored, although they scored 26 points, they should have had 40 points. They had four field goals, including a missed one. So that would be 29 points if they had made that one that was missed. But that's still five trips to the red zone, five trips to the end zone that were missed out on. But even then, they won the game. They played with the purpose, both on offense and on defense. They looked like they just wanted it more. Even the announcers could tell that, hey, the Chargers look like they're playing for their season because they were at 3-5. and five, They're playing for their season almost every single game now. The biggest play of that whole game between the Packers and the Chargers was fourth and goal at the Green Bay 1, where Michael Bagley had just kicked a field goal. It was good, split the uprights, but there was a penalty on the Green Bay Packers, and Anthony Lynn molded over a bit, was thinking about it, and the announcers were like, no, no, you got to keep the points because Aaron Rodgers, you don't know what he's going to do. But Anthony Lynn said, A, we're putting this game away. We're shutting the door on any possibility of a comeback from Aaron Rodgers because he can make things happen. And also, we're going to get rid of all these demons that have been haunting us this whole season from the point that Ken Weisenhut started calling plays earlier this season. So they went for it, fourth and one. Melvin Gordon ran for a touchdown, bam, and that, just like that, all demons and struggles, gone. It was a power move of, hey, we're back. We fixed our problems, and we're still going to fix our problems. We still have problems, but we're going to fix them. We don't have 
Wisen Hunt anymore. The problem is gone. We are back. It was a redemption of all the fumbles at the goal lines that cost them games. It was a redemption of all the shoulda, woulda, coulda games that they really should have won. They should have beat the Titans, Steelers, Broncos, Lions, maybe even the Texans because they had a shot there. But they didn't win those games under Ken Wisenhunt. And it looked bad. But that led to his release from the organization, which was necessary for the Chargers going forward. And if they were to have won those games, I'm pretty sure that Ken Wisenhunt would still have his job. So even though right now they're fighting and struggling, fighting and clawing and trying to get back into the playoff race, they their losses made them do what they should have done a long time ago, which was get rid of Ken Wisenhunt. And they finally and they finally look competent again. Although it's one game where they beat the Packers and they looked great. The Chargers are looking good. And if you can beat a Packers team that is on fire with Aaron Rodgers, who has been tearing it up as of lately, you can beat anyone. You can beat anyone. And the Chargers are showing that right now. Okay, the next topic that I have also revolves around the Chargers, but it's not necessarily how well they're playing or what I predict for them going forward. It's more of recent news that broke out about them going to London. So, news broke out that even though the Chargers are committed to follow through on their plans to share the Rams stadium in LA, according to Vincent Bontenor of The Athletic, the Chargers would at least listen it would at least listen to the NFL if the NFL approached them about possibly playing in London. Now this comes from the league worrying about the Chargers struggling to gather any semblance of a fan base in LA, especially with the Rams' recent success. But in a more general sense, since their move from San Diego. So the Chargers being in London could be good for the business of the Chargers themselves, as well as the NFL. But there are a couple minor setbacks. It would increase the lack of sleep among the Chargers players. Teams would be traveling a lot, especially the Chargers from London to the USA. Teams playing away games against the Chargers would have to fly away to London back and forth. Just be quite the hassle. And then at the same time, it would require a realignment of the divisions because if they go to London, they're not in the AFC West anymore. It's more just way out east. But those are issues that can be fixed pretty easily or nicely. The real issue is this. This, this is the issue that I have. Why are you even considering or even listening about going to London when you have all your fans, your, your huge fan base, in San Diego? I am a Chargers fan, and I do everything I can to not let my biases seep into my content of the, of the podcast. But in this case, for this scenario, my fanhood, I'm, I'm using my fanhood to make an argument here. If you're going to LA, commit to it. Commit to it. Just say, we're going to LA, and they're doing that right now, shutting down all London rumors. That's good. Commit to LA if you're going there. If not, if you're not committed to going to LA, don't listen about London. 
don't listen about London if you're not even considering San Diego. Because those are because that's where your loyal fans are. That's where your fan base is. It makes no sense whatsoever to possibly relocate again San Diego to LA and then to London. It makes no sense to relocate again when you just left your fan base in San Diego for your seven fans in LA and aren't even considering about going back and are hearing about and are willing to think or even hear about, to listen, to consider going to London. That does not make sense to me. So again, if you're going to LA, commit to it. You're doing that right now. You, you completely denied all London rumors, all that stuff, and that's good. But if you're not committed to going to LA, just go back to San Diego. Don't go to London. Go back to San Diego where you have your fan base. So that's the main thing I wanted to say regarding that. Next, I have my power rankings for the NFL. Now, there were a lot of crazy games that went on. Sunday night, throughout all of Sunday, Monday night. Monday night, so much, not so much with the Giants and the Cowboys. That was more of a blowout that was close for a while. But a lot of the games did shake up my list of my top 10 teams. Not so much in the, in the top 5 but definitely from six and back. So for my NFL power rankings, at 10, I do not have the I do not have the Vikings there any longer after losing to Chiefs. I have the Bills. The Bills did indeed move up to 10 on my list. They are six and two right now. They have a phenomenal defense. Their offense is still struggling though. And I do believe that they still need to prove themselves. Now, last week I said the exact same thing about the Vikings. Great defense. The offense, in the Vikings' case, is, was pretty good. It was pretty good. Bill's case, it's struggling. It's not really that great. But the Vikings still had not proven themselves. And I said, hey, the Chiefs are coming up. They have a backup quarterback. This is your chance to really prove yourself. And then you have the Cowboys, and then you can prove yourself again. But the Vikings didn't live up to that. They lost against a backup quarterback. In Matt Moore, the Bills also haven't really proven have not proven themselves, but they still have the Cowboys, Ravens, and Patriots coming up. If they win one of those games, then I can say, hey, you know what? They are somewhat of a real threat. But if they don't win any of that, I cannot point to them and say, yeah, that's a real threat in the playoffs. And number nine, I have the Cowboys, same place as last week. And it's, I can't really move them up or down. They beat the Giants. That's not really worthy of going up 8 or 7 uh, in my rankings or down to 10 or just off the map completely. They still got the Patriots, Rams, Eagles, and Vikings coming up. That Those are going to be their true test of whether or not they're for real. Whether they're a true, dare I say, Super Bowl contender. Right now they're playoff bound, but Super Bowl contender is against those teams. Patriots, Rams, Eagles, Vikings. And the defense for the Cowboys has yet to really convince me that they're back, that they're solid. Now, now they did have a good game against the Giants, but that's the Giants. I want to see it against one of these top teams. Number eight, I have the Texans. Now, they moved completely off my list to on my list this week. 
They conquered a pretty good Jags defense, and Deshaun Watson continues to make his MVP case. The only problem is I want to see their defense step up and play really, really well to stop a top team. Now, they haven't really played one uh, recently, but I want to see it happen. And number seven, I have the Packers. Yes, they just came off a disappointing loss to the Chargers, but that does not mean that they're off the list completely. They just dropped down just a bit. I think I had them at four last week. They just dropped down to seven. Not by much. But they did lose to the Chargers, who have been struggling and just got a new offensive coordinator. Maybe just a bit of life in them. So maybe that's part of the reason why the Packers lost. And Aaron Rodgers mentioned it. They just wanted it more than us. As soon as they stepped onto the field, they wanted it more than us, and they won. And I know that the Packers are capable of doing better because they have been doing better throughout the whole season aside from their game against the Chargers. They just had an off day offensively. They couldn't break through the Chargers' defense. But I'm sure that the Packers will bounce back in upcoming weeks. And number six, I have the Seahawks. Now, I would put the Seahawks a bit higher, but the top five is really good. They're, I mean, the Seahawks have MVP frontrunner Russell Wilson, who is leading the charge. Their defense is still not that good, but like I've been saying, like I've been preaching since, since I covered the Seahawks earlier this season when I made my standing predictions, if you've got Russell Wilson, you've got a chance. You've always got a chance to win a game, to get to the playoffs no matter what. You've got a chance. And they, they're looking really, really good. They're looking really, really good. The defense, not so much, gave up a lot of points to Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We have uh, James Winston, who's been on and on and off again. But they have Russell Wilson, like I've said, and you've always got a chance with him. At number five, I have the Chiefs. Just like the Cowboys, same place as last week. Just like the Cowboys, their defense is not up there, but the Cowboys have a bit more potential when it comes to the defense. But they did beat the Vikings, and they almost beat the Packers. They gave the Packers quite a battle with a backup quarterback in Matt Moore. And then you have Patrick Mahomes most likely coming back this weekend against the Titans. Whew. They are looking good and really, really solid. And number four, now this is where you can put a little debate on it. And number four, I have the Ravens. They just beat the Patriots. And like I said, they didn't just beat the Patriots. They crushed them. Absolutely crushed them. Dominated them from start to finish. And they're the first team to do so all season. Not only crush them, but just beat them. And they did that by just running it down their throat, and then Lamar Jackson made the necessary throws throughout the game. Biggest takeaway here, the defense of the Ravens is great. Their offense with Lamar Jackson is amazing and really gave the best defense, statistically the best defense in the league, fits. But moving on at number three, and yes, you can get debatable right here between three and four. I have the Patriots. Yes, I know. The Patriots just lost to the Ravens, and like I said, it was ugly. They got killed. It looked, they looked horrible. Brady couldn't throw it into the ocean to save his life. The defense looked horrible. They were scrambled. It just looked bad. Lamar Jackson could just do whatever he wanted. He just ran it all over them. It looked pretty bad. But the only reason why I have the Patriots above the Ravens at number three and number four is because when it comes to the playoffs, in a playoff situation, when I give Bill Belichick 
a roll, a roll of film, a table of film, to go over with the Ravens, I know that they will win that game. I know that they will win that game. Because I believe in a playoff situation, when you have that preparation between Brady and Belichick experience, in the playoff situation, they're winning that. They're winning that. So that's the only reason why I have them above the Ravens. Now you can debate that, obviously, but that's where I have them. At number two, I do not have the Saints. I have the 49ers at number two. They're the only undefeated team left. And yes, I'm putting that. Um, yes, I'm putting them at number two. Yes, their defense is amazing. Their offense is really, really good too. But they haven't really played a high-caliber team that's on this list, really. They really haven't. But I am excited because they finally will play someone on my list. The Seahawks, just drop my pen, the Seahawks on Monday Night Football. And that's going to be quite the game. And that's, that's going to be their truest test of how good this Niners team really, really is. So at number one, I mentioned them right before. Right before. It's the New Orleans Saints, my friend's favorite team. I mean... There's not really much bad to say about the about the whole Saints roster or the team. In fact, yes, they lost one game, and that was against the Rams. And the Rams have not really been really clicking. I mean, they did beat the Bengals, and they've been kind of getting their stuff together recently. And they're coming off a bye also. But the Saints look really, really, really good. You had Drew Brees completely torch the Cardinals last week, and then he's coming off a bye week this week. He's resting up, and he's going to come back with that offense with Michael Thomas. As long as they get their other receivers involved, wow, that offense is going to tear up the league. And their defense is spectacular, one of the best in the league, and it has been looking pretty good for the past two, three years. I think this is maybe the year that they finally break through after all the disappointment of the past two years. In my opinion, they're just number one. They're just number one in their next test. Because they have a really easy schedule from here on out. Except for one game. And that's against the Niners. At home in December. And that will show how good either team is. Who's the best team in the NFC. So that's my power ranking list right here. My top three. You can debate number three. Patriots, Niners, Saints. Now for number three you can debate. Should the Ravens be up there? That's up to you. But that's my top three. Patriots, Niners, Saints. Alright, so I'm going to take a, a quick break right now and then we're going to get into the basketball topics instead of the football topics because we're finished with those for, for today. So we're going to get into the Phoenix Suns actually winning games, being 5-2, and two, and the Warriors may have found their guy in Eric Pascal for the future. So we'll be right back. And we're back, and I got the Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors, and I'm, I'm going to be talking about both of them. So, the Phoenix Suns are winning somehow. They're 5-2, and two, and they're the second seed right behind the LA Lakers in the Western Conference, as I'm recording this right now. Two weeks ago, around when the season started, when I was doing my Pacific Division uh, summary or recap or thoughts about the Pacific Division, I said that they would disappoint. But so far, I look like I'm wrong. They're 5-2. and two. So my question is, how are they winning? Why are they winning? 
And so to start off answering that question, I looked at their lineup, comparing this year's lineup to last year's lineup. Last year's lineup consisted uh, at the beginning of the year of Isaiah, of Isaiah Cannon, Devin Booker, Trevor Reza, Ryan Anderson, and DeAndre Aiden. Now throughout that whole year, that lineup was constantly changing, either due to injuries or some sort of suspension, whatever it was, but it was constantly changing so there was no stability. Additionally, Trevor Ariza and Ryan Anderson did not live up to expectations at all. Now when you look at this year's lineup, they got Ricky Rubio, they got Devin Booker, Kelly Oubre Jr., Dario Saric, DeAndre Aiden. Now DeAndre Aiden was suspended after his first game against the Sacramento Kings for PEDs, I'm pretty sure. It was drug-related. But now they have Aaron Baines in for him at the starting center position. They have a really, really young lineup with shooters all around, with Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre Jr., Sarge, Aaron Baines, who can spread the floor, and they have athletic players like Kelly Oubre Jr. and Devin Booker, and Devin Booker is a phenomenal scorer. They got Ricky Rubio there, also, who is a traditional point guard, gets everyone involved. You saw what he did in Utah, and now he's doing the exact same thing here in Phoenix, helping, him, helping them with a true point guard, easing the stress off of Devin Booker to carry the load. And right now it looks a lot like of how it's going of how it went in Utah with Donovan Mitchell and Ricky Rubio with a really, really good score and a true point guard. And that's exactly what's happening again, Ricky Rubio and Devin Booker. So I kept on looking through it and then I found three I I deduced that there are three three main things aside from the consistency of the lineup and them finally having what looks like the right mix of guys. Three things that, con that has contributed so far to the Phoenix Suns' early success this season. So the first thing is, they got shooters. They finally got shooters. Like I said before, Trevor Ariza, Ryan Anderson didn't cut it. They weren't living up to expectations. And then it just became Devin Booker had to carry the load. You had uh, one, one of the bridges, still young, still figuring it out. You, you just were cycling through players. You had um, Josh Jackson. He had some nice games, but never really made it through. Stuff like that. And they couldn't shoot a lick last season with Trevor Reza, Ryan Anderson, Josh Jackson, Bridges. The Anthony Melton had a couple good games, but they all struggled throughout the whole season. Shooting the three. This season so far, they're making more three-point they're making more three-pointers per game than they did last season. And also they are willing to shoot the mid-range shots, especially Devin Booker, and we saw how that went with the Warriors with Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Durant. It's good to shoot the mid-range shot. It keeps the defense on their heel, on their toes, never knowing what's going to happen. Additionally, their spacing is crazy. With Aaron Baines on that roster, with him on the floor, look at the game. The spacing for the Suns is crazy. The paint, there's no one in the paint. There's literally no one in the paint. So it becomes extremely easy for an ISO player like Devin Booker or even someone who can take players off the dribble like Ricky Rubio or Kelly Oubre to get to the paint and get a layup or a dunk really easily. And it makes it really easy also for Ricky Rubio to do baseline drives and, and pass it to a cutter for an easy dunk or an easy layup. So it becomes a lot more ISO possessions really close to the the basket in the paint which at that point 
you can just chalk it up as a basket. And with DeAndre Egan even there, the spacing is still pretty good. He, he does a good job of drawing his guy away from the paint, and he always gets open on pick and rolls or, or split screens. He does a good job of that. The second thing that I noticed, statistically, their pace is much higher than last season. They're a young team. They're a very young team, so they got to use their legs to score points. They do a great job of outletting it in transition and fast break, get those easy points, and in the end, those add up, and those help you win games or get back into games or even carry away with the lead. The third thing is, so far, as of right now, and I do not think that's going to last, is that their defense is marginally better than last year. It's better, and it does help to have a good defense. Now, they're not a top 10 defense by any means, but their defense is marginally better than last season. That's all you need. At this point, that's all you need. Now, I do not expect that to last, but it's a good start. Javon Carter gives me vibes of a young Pat Bev, and when Devin Booker and the whole crew want to play defense, they do a pretty good job. But in my in my opinion, in my mind, that's probably not going to last. That defense is not going to be that way forever. But those two other things, their pace and their shooting, their spacing, are going to stick for the long run. So these three things that, I, that I've mentioned so far, the, their shooting, they got shooters, which helps space the floor, which helps easy scoring in the lane, in the paint, for players like Ricky Rubio, Devin Booker, Kelly Ray Jr. And also makes it easier for post-up guys like DeAndre Aiden to score without worrying about a double team. Or if a double team does come, he can easily kick it out and then after that's just swinging the ball on the perimeter. Second thing being pace, get those easy points. And third and last, so their defense is finally there somewhat for now. Now what? Now the question becomes whether or not this changes with DeAndre Aiden going into the starting lineup or if they once again have changes in the starting lineup like they did last season. Now I think that with DeAndre Aiden, it should continue with their success in scoring. Maybe defense may slip a bit, but overall they are looking really, really nice. I'm still going to stick with the th that they're going to disappoint but I would love to see the Suns actually succeed this season because they're a fun team to watch when, when they're rolling. And Booker, he deserves to be on a winning team. And, and if the Suns are doing that right now, then that's great for him. Moving on, now the Suns are doing pretty good. They're second seed, like I mentioned before. But one of the bottom tier teams as of right now are the Warriors. And like I said, and like I said last week, the Warriors, they, they had stuff to figure out. Last week I said that losing Curry for the Warriors could be a blessing in disguise, meaning that the Warriors could finally see who they really, really got on that team, which of their rookies are really going to be there for the long run, and which ones they should probably move off on, which free agents they should keep, or just also move off on. Well, I think that they found one of their answers, and that is Eric Pascal. He's a Villanova alum. He's part of the he was part of the 2018 championship team. He's not a one and done, so you know that he's physically ready for the NBA and he knows the fundamentals. He's six foot seven, 255 pounds. He's a great player. And so far he looks really, really good. He had 34 points 
in a win at home against the Blazers to avoid the Warriors going 0-5 at home for the first time in many years. And he even got MVP chance as a rookie near the end of the game. That's insane. As a rookie. But I understand. It's too early to really, really tell if he is part of the Warriors' plan going forward. But so far, I have to say, this looks really good for the Warriors. Eric Paschal, he can shoot. He can spread the floor. He can playmate. He can score at the rim pretty well, especially at his size and with his build, which is why I was, not- which is why I was noting that He's not a one-and-done, so he's physically ready for the NBA coming out of college. He can shoot the mid-range as well. He's not afraid of shooting the mid-range. And he's also defensively sound going up, straight up. And when I say all of that, he can shoot, spread the floor, playmake, score at the rim. Especially the playmake part. He reminds me of a more athletic Draymond Green, a younger athletic Draymond Green who can actually shoot the ball. And he also fills what I was talking about last week when I was talking about the Warriors and their plan going forward. I, I was talking about their lineup and what they wanted because they have Curry, Clay, and Draymond. Now, what do they need at power forward and maybe small forward if they slide Draymond Green over to power forward and then at center? They, they need a small forward or a power forward. Someone who can shoot the ball, play, make, spread the floor. And at center is just a guy that can rebound the ball and play defense. That fits exactly what Eric Paschal fits exactly that for the small forward slash power forward position. He can shoot the ball, spread the floor, play make, pass the ball around, fit into the Warriors system perfectly, smoothly. He can score at the rim, he can shoot the mid-range. It works perfectly for the Warriors. And so when you put that into a starting lineup for next season, you have Curry at the one, you have Clay at two. You have Eric Pascal at the three, not Draymond. Draymond will be at the four. And then someone else at the five, who, like I said, can defend the rim as well as maybe get a mid-range shot, but also rebound. Rebounding and defense is the main thing that you want from someone there. Mainly like an Andrew Bogut sort of guy. And with that lineup, it gives you a small ball lineup that they really had a lot of success with early on with before Kevin Durant, and even with Kevin Durant a bit. So I believe that the Warriors, they got their guy heading into next season to fit into that lineup with Curry, Clay, and Draymond Green. And that guy is Eric Paschal. And it should look really, really nice, and I'm excited for their future next season. Not this season, because we all know that they're not going to be that great. But next season, with Curry, Clay, Draymond, and then Eric Paschal, if they, if they choose to keep him, and they should, it's going to look really, really nice. Anyways, that does it for the G-Truth. I'm pretty p- pleased with today's episode. Eric Pascal, Suns. I'm really happy I'm really happy that I got to talk about the NBA, which I love. It's my favorite sport. Basketball is my favorite sport, not the NBA, because that's an organization. Basketball is my favorite sport. And then football, too, which is my second favorite sport. Love them both. And I got to talk about both of them. For five topics, which is amazing. Got to give my opinion on it. And and it just feels good because I feel like today was a good production. Anyways, that does it. Stay tuned. Be sure to give feedback. I always appreciate feedback and I would love to hear any sort of feedback. So thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Peace 
out.